text to the 19th Psalm. And what a psalm this is. It is tremendous. And it has so much to say. In fact, in fact, I want you to mark 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Just put you something there where we can go to a reference and read it later on. And then I also want you to mark the 33rd chapter of Exodus. Exodus chapter 33, 2 Corinthians chapter 4. And when you have those marked, and then we will turn back to the 19th Psalm and begin looking here. And I am so thankful that the Word of God is alive. And it just keeps blooming and producing as you study. I taught through this psalm in the adult Bible class. In fact, I taught all the way through the 119th Psalm in the adult Bible class. And God showed me some things this morning and helped me connect some things together uh, through what I was taught in Bible school to what I have read and what I have studied out through men who was pleased to leave their findings in writing. And God has been so good to me this day. So I'm going to have to pay particular attention to my notes because I've written many of them this morning. And so they're fresh and new to me. But I want to be a blessing to you, the Lord being our helper. So since we're going to begin entirely different than most of the ways we do, I want to pray first. So will you please unite with me before the throne of grace and Pray not only with me, but pray for me. Father, we thank you so much to be in this great church. We thank you for the congregation that you have gathered here this morning. So thankful that my wife and I are a part of it. I come before you seeking your face, asking, Lord, for you to bring to my remembrance the things especially that you have shown me this morning and given me the ability to put some of these things together. I pray that you will help me to be a blessing to this church. They surely have been a great blessing to me. And I ask your Lord to anoint me with the Holy Spirit. I stand in dire need of his anointing upon my life. I offer my thanksgiving and I ask my prayer in Christ's name and for his sake, amen. So we began reading this psalm, the heavens declare. And so I began to think about this term declare. That means to openly show are to fully manifest. And I begin to think about what God is declaring to us through the pen of the psalmist, who no doubt 
was David, as we find in the superscription. Now, to the chief musician, some thinks he has reference to the Lord, but I think he has reference to the fellow who was in charge of the music services when the Jews met together to pray, or Israel met together for service and worship unto God. And so he was over, and it was left up to him, as these psalms are addressed to him, to his care, left up to him to choose the appropriate psalm that would match the type service they were having. And so he writes here, and I begin to think, Pastor, on this term declare. What do the heavens declare? First of all, they declare God's greatness. Because how could someone who was not great create all that he has created? And this world within itself is wonderful. But it is such a small speck of what the scientists have determined they know already. But I want to say unto you, there was a man back uh, in centuries ago by the name of Charles Darwin. And Charles Darwin came up with the hypotheses of evolution. Now, that hypothesis means actually an assumption without any accredited proof whatsoever. And he changed the course and minds of men who were looking for some way to evade God because they did not want to come face to face with the truth that they are going to be held accountable for their uh, actions while upon this earth. And so therefore, if they could somehow get God out of the way and do away with the opening verses of Genesis, then they would have it made mentally and emotionally. And I want to say, though, that even Charles Darwin, he had a book uh, that was uh, famous in his day called The Origin of the Species. Now, let me just say a few words about that because there were several updates given to that book as science revealed the fallacies that were discovered within it. Charles Darwin's hypothesis rested on seven pillars. And if any one of those pillars were to crumble, the whole hypothesis failed. May I say scientifically, all seven of those pillars have been proved untenable. And so that shows the fallacy of it. But by this time, man's mind was in such gear because he had found uh, something that would lead him away from the fact that in the beginning, God, amen, God was, God is, and God always is going to be. And he had 1,500 copies of this origin of the species, and all 1,500 so within just 
a few hours. Men gobbled up. Uh, and so uh, may I say this about him, and I don't want to spend all my time here, but Charles Darwin did not have a degree in botany. He did not have a degree, a degree in zoology. He did not have a, a degree in anthropology. That's the study of man. He did not have a degree in astronomy. He did not have a degree in biology, Charles, but he wrote about all of those things and put about how they originated. Charles Darwin had one degree. It was in theology. He was a ministerial student, a man who lent his mind to the devil and the devil caused him to write all of the things that he wrote. But when we think about the vastness, the size of this universe, I don't know if any of you have ever had the privilege to go to the Creation Museum. But if you ever have that privilege, you want to go. And in the, the last, the finality of the whole trip, and the thing that amazed me more than anything else is when they took us into the observatory and they put us in a chair and laid us back and the, and the ceiling of that building became like the heavens. And so it showed the earth and then it showed our solar system and the earth had become just a little ball. And then it showed a little farther out and the earth became smaller. And just, and then they kept enlarging that thing. And, and then they showed what they know is out there. And you couldn't even see the earth as big as it is. And I'm telling you, no, God created the heaven and the earth. It has staggered the minds of men. We have spent billions of dollars and millions of minds trying to figure out where man came from. God put one chapter in this Bible and told where we came from and spent 1188 telling us how to prepare to die. Amen. Hey, you're not going to get ahead of God. He is great. And the heavens declare his greatness because of the size of them. I remember when I was in Florida pastoring, I pastored a church there four years before I came to Harriman. And I picked up the daily paper and the paper had an article in it that the scientists had uh, made or had um, built a new telescope, and I forget the size of that telescope. And through that telescope, they found something out there in the heaven, in the universe, that was uh, four and a half billion light years farther than anything they knew. Now, a light year is almost six trillion miles and you think about four and a half billion times six trillion. My soul. Boy, aren't you glad you know this great God? 
who is the creator of the universe. There was a time I learned this in, in school. There was a time when the, uh, this scientist who studied the heavens had uh, determined there were so many stars and he had counted them. And then the, sh- the earth shifted, moved through the heavens. And as it moved through the heavens, then another scientist said, no, there's this many stars and so they kept on adding as the, as the earth would yeah. go through the heavens and at the number of stars. And then eventually the telescope was invented. And they said, wait a minute, there are more stars. And every time as far as they invent anything, they're seeing more and more and more. And my and your God that we sing about standing on the promises of God. May I assure you, ladies and gentlemen, is somewhere beyond all of that. And one day we're going to go through the stars and the planets as we rise to worlds unknown. Hallelujah. I don't know about you, but I'm having a time thinking about how great our God is. Amen. Then they declare his greatness because of the size. Then they declare his gloriousness because of its splendor. What is any more beautiful than to go out on a starlit night and gaze up into the heavens and they are perfectly blue and those luminaires are out there shining and they tell us that our our sun is a star. I'm not going to argue with them. I've never been there. But anyway, that's what they tell us and it's the closest star to our earth. And God made that. And God called it a sun. And I'm going to call it the sun. And he made the moon. Amen. And listen to this. The thing that stumped. I can't get away from this. The thing that has stumped the men's minds are the stars. They talk about traveling to the stars. But when you read the Bible in the opening chapter, it said that he made two great lights. Now, it didn't say he made two great, the greatest lights. He said the greater light, not the greatest light. Because they tell us there's a star out there somewhere, 10 that will consume 27 billions of our earth. No, of our sun. They tell us there's a star out there somewhere that's 10,000 times brighter than the sun. Boy, I'm glad God put them where he did, aren't you? Amen, I really am. He had it perfect. He made everything just exactly right. But it's splendorous. But when he made those two lights and then all of the stars that you see that just staggers man's imagination... Here's what God had to say about it. And he made the stars also. That's it. That's all he had to say about it. You remember the A Psalm when I consider the work of thy fingers? The moon, the stars, remember that? Amen. That, that's all God had to do. And who was that um, black preacher? Um, 
that that preached on the Lord Lockridge, that preached on the Lordship of Christ, and he said he flung the stars off the end of his face. Amen. God could do that. Amen. In fact, all he had to do was speak the word, and it was done. So what I'm telling you is it's splendorous. And then they declare his graciousness. Do you see in that the sympathy of God because God, and we're going to get into that in a minute because they declare the glory of God. We're going to get in that in a minute. And so we're looking at the, at the sympathy here uh, that God had toward mankind. Then they also declare his goodness that God saw fit to show it to you and I. It would be amazing if we just had the knowledge of such a God who would make such things, but He, His goodness has allowed you and I to view it. We can view it any night that it's not a cloud cover. All the things that God has made. Now here we go. The heavens declare the glory of God. And the firmament showeth his handiwork. Day unto day utter speech, and night unto night showeth knowledge. Here, nature and scripture have purpose together to bring glory and honor to God. God has done everything possible that man can know him and know all about him. He's revealed it in the heavens. He's revealed it in Christ who came. That's the main thing we're going to settle in on here after a while. But you see, every time there is a night, morning follows night. Every time there is a winter, spring. Winter brings death. Spring brings life. Night brings darkness. Day brings light. What is God saying? The death, the burial, and the resurrection. So he's done everything. All about us are all kinds. And I believe it was Jack Green who I heard preaching years ago down in Tampa, Florida. And uh, Brother Green said, you know, said in the fall, everything is wilts and it dies and it dries up and the wind moves it around and said it's so dead. But he said, you wait till spring comes and those warm breezes start coming up and and warming up that and said life begins to radiate and come forth and bloom. What is God doing? God is showing, amen, that he is real. And that you go through a night season in your life, but hallelujah, morning is coming. Amen. Watchmen, what of the night? The night cometh and also the morning. 
is going to come. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy cometh in the morning. And we, are, as a Christian saved by the grace of God, we're enjoying the mighty blessings of God. But we go through night seasons here, but there's a day coming. There's a morning. There's a time when we're going to rise up to be with the Lord. And, and it's going to be light in eternity and no darkness ever again. It's going to dawn upon us. Amen. Now, day unto day utter speech, and night unto night showeth knowledge. There is no speech nor language where their voice is not heard. God hadn't hidden himself from anybody. Right. And may I say, language is a barrier to me. I've been to Mexico several times. I learned 10 words and come back. And when I go back, I've lost my learning. I can't, I can't remember one of them. But language is no barrier to God. He's revealed. In fact, is he's the one who gave the language, if you read that in the, I believe, 11th chapter of Genesis. But as we go on in our reading here, he says, their line is going out through all the earth and their words to the end of the world. Now look at this. In them hath he set a tabernacle for the sun. Now the sun, as you know, is the center of our solar system. But then the tabernacle was the center of the camp of the nation of Israel. And so he talks here about the Son, it of course being a type of Christ, Malachi chapter 4, and it's spelled S-U-N, when the Son of Righteousness shall arise with healing in his wings. You remember that verse. And then he says, which is as a bridegroom. Well, I'd like to get into that coming out of his chamber and rejoiceth as a strong man to run a race. His going forth is from the end of the heaven and his circuit unto the ends of the earth. And there is nothing hid from the heat thereof. The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More are, more to be desired are they than gold. Yea, than much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb. When I read across that verse, I'm remembering, and somebody touched that in their preaching, that this Bible is bread because it's about Jesus. And Jesus is the bread of God who came down. And this Bible is our thirst quencher. It is water. So we have the steel, 
water representative of the word, right? So the Bible is our bread. The Bible is our meat. When you go to the book of Hebrews, chapter 5, the closing verses, is talking about a strong meat. He's talking about the doctrine. He's talking about the word. So the word of God is our, our bread. It is our meat. It is our drink. And it is our dessert. If you will notice, you're sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb. All right. Moreover, by them is the, thy servant warned, and in keeping of them there is great reward. Who can understand his errors? Cleanse thou me from secret faults. Keep back thy servant also from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. Then shall I be upright, and I shall be innocent from the great transgression. Let the words of my mouth, the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight. O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. So I want to preach this day. And of course, I've got a text that can never be preached out. It'd take an eternity to preach it on the greatness of God's glory. And we find it here in three ways in this psalm, which we, if we don't get it all done, we'll at least tell you what it is, okay? All right, so now with that place in Exodus 33 marked, if you will, please, I encourage you to turn there. Exodus chapter 33, and I want you to look with me, please, in verse 18. Where Moses is talking to the Lord. Now let's get the setting. Moses has been privileged to see a pattern of the tabernacle he is going to build. And this God has showed him in the heavens, which I believe there is a tabernacle there. In fact, I believe that's where the blood of Jesus Christ is. Amen. On the mercy seat availing for you and for me. I do not believe it rotted in the ground. No, I believe it was gathered up and taken and him as a high priest offered it. Amen. There on the mercy seat for you and I. And so Moses has seen all of this. He has built it according to the instructions that God has given him. He has erected it. And no doubt he's amazed somewhat at this tent here that he has built and all the beauty of it and so forth. And Moses already has seen somewhat of the glory of God. So if we go back, I think it's chapter 16. Just keep your place here. Chapter 16 of the book of Exodus. I believe that's where it is found. I will have to look here. Um, Yes, it's verse number 10, Exodus 16, verse 10. And it came to pass as Aaron spake unto the whole congregation of the children of Israel that they looked toward the wilderness and behold, the glory of the Lord appeared in the cloud. Amen. So Moses has already had something to see. I believe of the glory of God. If we look at verse Maybe it's uh, chapter 24. Uh, it's, yes, it's chapter 24. 
And so we're going to read verses 15. Uh, And Moses went up into the mount, and a cloud covered the mount, and the glory of the Lord abode upon Mount Sinai, and the cloud covered it six days, and the seventh day he called unto Moses out of the midst of the cloud, and the sight of the glory of the Lord was like devouring fire on the top of the mount and the eyes of the children of Israel. So it's evident that Moses has already seen a portion of the glory of God. Is he satisfied? Absolutely not. No, he's wanting to see all of the glory of God. That's like when a church believes in old time religion. One appearance of God in the midst does not satisfy. We want to see it again and again and again. And that's what's going on here in Moses' heart and Moses' life as well as he is desirous of viewing the glory of God. So we're going back now to chapter 33 of Genesis and we're going to be looking here. I beseech thee, he said, show me thy glory. And evidently, Moses has seen it at a distance, and he has seen it. There's a cloud there, so there's been a little barrier of him seeing it, and he, but he has seen enough that he wants to see it all. <laughs> Amen. And that, that's the way the Christian is. He just wants to continually draw nigh and nigher unto the Lord, that the Lord will draw nigh unto him. But if you remember speaking, Paul doing the writing of the second coming of Jesus Christ, when he comes back in the revelation in flaming fire, right, right. taking vengeance on them that know not God and that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, who shall be punished with everlasting uh, destruction from the presence of the Lord and the glory, amen, of the Lord. And so there it is again when he comes back. And then you go over to chapter 2 of Second Thessalonians and it talks about when Jesus comes back to defeat the Antichrist. And even though it's not mentioned in that verse, it's mentioned in other passages that are similar, that talks about the same event. When Jesus comes back to defeat the armors of the Antichrist, and because they will be with him, he will have gathered them together to do battle against the Lord and his saints. And, and Jesus Christ is going to come back. And the Bible says he's going to destroy him with the brightness of his coming. Now you think about that. No wonder Moses' face shone. And all he was permitted to look at was the back parts. Amen. No man, he said, can see. Boy, here's a good one. No man can see my face, but hang on now. We're going to talk a little bit about this. Can, can see my face, for there shall no man see me and live. You remember when Manoah and, and Samson's mother 
had come out and the and had requested to see that angel that appeared to her and said her son was going to be born unto her. And they uh, made an offering. The angel went in the offering and the fire and went, went up into heaven. And so Manoah said, we're going to die. Yeah. We've seen God. Yeah, but his wife said, if we were going to die, would he received an offering? Yeah. Oh, Amen. my soul. Amen. I wish I could tell you what's going on inside me right now. Oh, mercy. Now, in John chapter 1 and verse 17, the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. I love this next verse, verse 18. And no man has seen God at any time. But the only begotten Son, which is in the bosom of the Father, Amen. He hath declared Him. Amen. He has Amen. manifested Him openly. Amen. He has left nothing unseen about God. He has showed Him all. No wonder we're going to have to have a new body when we get to heaven. How in the world we're going to be able to stand? His presence and His glory when He unites the children of God in before Him. Then I ask you to mark Second Corinthians chapter four. Second Corinthians chapter four, and I want to begin our reading at at verse five, four. We preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your servants for Jesus' sake. For God, who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, hath shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God. Where? In the face of Jesus Christ. So when Jesus Christ came to this earth, he came showing everything that God was. And in his face was the glory of God. You remember uh, Jesus said unto those gathered about him, he said not many, said there be some standing here that shall not taste death till they have seen the glory of God. And after, was it six days, yes, he sir. took Peter, James, and John, that inner circle of disciples with him, and went up unto a mount. And he was transfigured before them. And Matthew said that he shone as the sun. And Mark tells us that his raiment was white. One it may be Luke that said it was glistening. And Mark said this, whiter than any fuller could make it. Now God knew there would be some liberal somewhere who would write in his exposition of that event that Jesus took a change of clothes with him and 
hid behind a bush and changed clothes and jumped out quickly before the disciples. Now, did you know that's on record somewhere? God hate to... I'm sure glad I'm not in that man's shoes. I got enough to answer for already. And so anyway, Mark said whiter than any fuller can white them or make them. Well, a fuller was a person who employed himself in dyeing cloth for the per of our, our cleaning cloth for the purpose of dying, making it as white. And he said, no fuller ever made anything this white. Amen. I'm telling you, Jesus Christ laid aside his infinite glory. Philippians chapter 2 emptied himself. He laid aside his infinite glory and and, uh, acquired a finite glory. And occasionally that finite glory or that infinite glory come out from under (laughs) that garment of finite glory. And that was one scene there. Amen. They, They shall not taste of death till they see the glory of God. And so the glory of God was shown through Jesus Christ there on that mountain. Now, Paul, given his account of his conversion before King Agrippa, he said, and he, I think he gave his testimony three times. And he was talking about a great light. And then he was talking about a a, a, a light as, as sun. And then he talked about a light exceeding light above, yes, sir. above yes, sir. the brightness of the sun. Wouldn't that be right? Yes, sir. I mean, he'd have to be brighter than the sun is yes, to make the sun. And then John saw him on the Isle of Patmos when he had been exiled out there to starve to death, no doubt among the hardcore criminals in John's day and the wild beast of that area. And the Bible said that he, he heard a voice. Yeah. And he said, I turned to see the voice of him that spake with me. And being turned, I saw seven golden candlesticks. Yeah, right. And in the midst of the candlesticks, one like under the Son of Man, Girt about the paps with a golden girdle, clothed with a garment down to the foot. Amen. And then he began to, to describe as his eyes were as a flame of fire, That's and his right. feet if, as if they burned in a furnace, yes, and his voice as a sound. Boy, what we got waiting on That's us. Right. And his voice as the sound of many waters. And then he said, as the sun shineth in its strength, as bright as the sun can shine, John said, I saw him. And when John saw the resurrected Christ, he said, I fell yes, at his feet as dead. But he said, he laid his right hand upon yes, me, saying, fear not. Amen. Amen. I am he that was dead, That's right. but alive. Yeah, but behold, I'm alive forevermore. And have the keys of death, of hell and of death. Hallelujah for Jesus. Oh, my, my. Well, let me. Preach, I better quit. I've been up here 40 minutes. 
I'll just quit and start here tonight, okay? Lord bless you. Do you know this, God? I wish I could tell you more about him. I wish I had the wisdom, the vocabulary to tell you what he really is like. But I'll tell you right now, if there was some way you could open my heart and look in it, you'd learn a whole lot more about him than you're going to hear through this. God bless you, Pastor. I'm glad I know who he's talking about. Amen. Let's stand, please.